Geek Shock. country and not country well yeah and a lot of other countries yeah. too i uh i see four years cost me 30 grand in student loans and that doesn't even count what i paid for books as well as there were a few semesters i had pell grants and um and uh, a couple other grants i can't remember what the names of the grants were so uh charles Philip Ulysses S. <laughs> Ulysses, yep. Thanks. That's his grant. He's he's old enough. Yeah, back Ulysses in my day, grant. we paid our paid our, our student loans back with chickens and pigs. But yeah, it took me a little over ten years to pay that off. So yeah, yeah. no student loans for me. None. You fancy yeah. Harvard boys? Nice. Some of those guys paid now, in cows. Now, how long did you work uh, at Canadian McDonald's uh, to pay that off? Summertime. So, what? Just in summer? Oh, three months. Two months. Three months to pay off your Canadian. Mm-hmm. College pay off four years education. or pay off each year? Each year. Okay. Yeah. Wow. It used to be the they used to be the way here. You'd have a summer job to pay for your college. Yeah, that that ain't the way. But well, this a was long what time. this is what ninety nine two thousand two thousand one yeah. in there. Not so. even back then. Well, I mean, you have to pay the the chancellors their you know six or seven million dollars a year plus the athletic coaches and their fifteen to twenty million dollars a year salary, et cetera, et from cetera. My, from my freshman year to my senior year, the tuition at my college doubled, and wow. the uh, um, uh, bureaucracy tripled. They actually tripled the staff of the uh, of the, yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy. You had the, the you have the KU game going right now. Uh-huh. That sports team probably brings in millions of dollars a year, right? Oh yeah. Or what? What's the KU known for? Football? More? Uh, basketball. Or basketball. Basketball. So, like Kentucky. Okay. Yeah. Um, you would think that tuition would be low, <laughs> just because of that. But it's it's. There's there's a lot of great documentaries on this, but it's kind of like this vicious cycle. Like you have to pay the staff and the salaries, and the money goes back into the school. Some of it goes into the general fund, but a lot of it goes right back into advertising, scholarships. Um, but there's a lot of money that doesn't go towards really helping the school directly. A lot of it's like you know merchandising and so forth, and um, it's just it's it's crazy. I mean. I love I love my my college basketball, but the the fact that you have unpaid players and and the the allegedly, well yes yeah they they should be getting paid because they're bringing a lot of money into the school. They're not seeing a cent of it, and in many cases they're going hungry. <laughs> you know, several months out of the year, it's like when they're not playing, they're not you know making anything towards their. Uh, you know their dining credits. Uh, there's there's a whole, like I said, there's a few. The I, I can't remember the name of the documentary I saw. It's like the cost of sports or something like that. And yeah, I think I've seen that one. It was uh, I, pretty enlightening. When I first oh sports 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 yeah I was gonna say sports. when we just heard Warhammer when I first all, all I hear is <laughs> when I first moved here that was kind of a culture shock to me the because back home professional leagues so NHL NFL whatever. Those are the leagues to watch. When you yeah. come here, it's the college level, which is weird. It's all backwards to me. Yeah. Because mm. up yeah. there, it's hardly... Who cares about Ryerson's or whatever? Right. Waterloo's team or whatever. We don't it's, know those teams. <laughs> they're the... Uh, well, Ryerson's a really good nursing school. Uh, 
Waterloo is like our Yale. Gotcha. <laughs> Waterloo is your Yale? I get what you mean. Say that with a straight face. (laughs) (laughs) Yale was my Waterloo. U U of T, University of Toronto is Harvard. I I would guess maybe not so much law, but McGill. um, Where's McGill in all that? Hamilton or Montreal? Forget. Right, but where does where where does it rank as far as uh, the Harvard, Yale, uh, Clemson, whatever? Just under. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is Geek Shock number four hundred seventy-two. What's more geeky than universities? And think, come on, man. He's Jeff. Northwestern K. Fact check dandy, just in hot off the road. Uh, this is Matt. how you get skipped. <laughs> Maple Leaf Matt. Maple Leaf Matt. They were to talk week and geek eventually, but they were not a tear. I was going to do, what, go. I was gonna gonna do go. what K did, but I was like, well, should I do uh, College of Seneca or University of, uh, of Humber? I was like, fuck, I don't know which one to use. <laughs> or uh, College of Southern Nevada. I've been to three. Sway School of Design. Represent, baby. I've done so much school, I have nothing to show for it. God damn it. <laughs> you got that track tell, tell me about it. <laughs> well, I got all these papers. Someone I completed this. Congratulations. Blah, blah, blah. And no job. Nothing. But that all changed. Yeah. Congratulations. You are employed. Yes. In a field I actually went to school for. Yes. Not sales. Not timeshare bullshit. Not this. Not the Vegas hustle. Not just Fucking. employed. Awesomely employed. Yes. I'm going to suggest on your new job, you don't let anybody step in poop. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's going to be a nurse's aide. He's going to be the one stepping in the poop, and yes, then and then exactly. having and then having to clean it up. So when the when the RN comes into the room, he's going to be like, "So I just stood there and I watched because I wanted to see what would happen." <laughs> <laughs> the RN was like, "God damn, is there I can't, a dog in here? I can't wait for the stories." <laughs> yeah. Actually, I don't know. Going, I got to be careful. Yes, not. I mean, stories. not not here. Oh, okay. Not on the air. I yeah. want. I just want. I can't wait for that story. Because I can lose my license for that. Exactly. <laughs> I want uh, off the air, off the record. Sorry, monkeys. I want to hear the story. You know, no. I, I I will say this. Be careful what you wish for, because when I was back home, my oh, sisters yeah. were telling nurse stories. Gross. And yes, many of the, See, I was. I was not prepared for you know how nonchalantly they were describing you know torsion and other things like that. Well, yes. that it was t- not something that they described. Uh, but that's the first time know. I heard it was a, f- a friend of the family was a nurse talking about it. I'm like, oh, yeah. oh, See, fact, I heard about person. it on Venture Brothers. Yes, I'd heard. I heard about it 20 years before that. <laughs> See, all that stuff doesn't bother me. It takes a certain person to be an RN or yeah. <laughs> well, that like, stuff doesn't bother me. Here's a perfect example. My sister shows a picture on her phone of something that they were just talking about. And it's a person with multiple wide-open gashes on their arm. I was not prepared for how graphic that was. And I was just like, thanks for the warning. And they're like, oh, yeah, we forgot. You're not used to this. I'm just like, you forgot? (laughs) I mean... Look at this guy all flayed open. Yeah, exactly. So... Again, be careful what stories you wish for because Just, they're they're having a good old time chatting back and forth about their horror stories, and my dad and I are just sitting here going, um, "Let's go into the other room where we don't have to hear." This. Matt, I want stories about the gash. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> The gash or just gashes? Wow. Fall into the gash. Um, I want to know the address because anytime anything happens to Andy. I know where I want to take him. <laughs> <laughs> so just to be clear, you, you know it's nurse stuff you're doing. You're not under this mistaken thing that you're uh, you're joining the Royal Navy, right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Just the idea of uh, show up in a full like you know <laughs> sailor suit. 
<laughs> CNA, CNA uh, Marshall, uh, <laughs> you, uh, oh, it's three o'clock. You got to wipe Taylor's ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at oh, him smiling over I, there. I'm <laughs> sick today. <laughs> I'm sick today. <laughs> oh, I never wanted to be sick before, but. <laughs> uh, see, that stuff doesn't bother me, but on friends, I guess it would bother me. <laughs> I don't want to see that. So, gentlemen, what geeky things you do this week? I did absolutely nothing. Shocker, but I was sick most of the week. Really? Like, had like some bad what? fish. Oh, that kind of sick. Oh yeah. You were airplane sick. Oh yeah. Wow. Sounds like me. Late like I'm last still kind of dehydrated because of all like stuff was coming out ultra quick. Yeah. Yeah. So we're gonna have these stories all the time. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, I uh, woke up on the Queen Mary and uh, stopped at Vasquez Rocks on the way home, and I'm here now. So you stayed at the Queen Mary because the Queen Mary is now partially a hotel. Yes. So what was that like? Uh, well, I was in an interior room, so like dark. So it was dark. <laughs> and, and no sense of what time it was until I looked at the clock and went, holy crap, it's 9.30. Is that a haunted ship or something? Supposedly. Yeah, supposedly. Oh, allegedly. Uh, but that's, want- that's the way it is all cruises, whether they're docked or otherwise. You get the internal cabin. It's dark. You turn those lights off. You it, It's cavern dark. Yeah. And you hear the hum of the engine, right? From the internal. Well, no. there's no engine. Yeah, there's well, a yeah, but I mean, like on a cruise ship. <laughs> on a cruise ship is what I mean. <laughs> not, not this. <laughs> I mean, here's the hum of the been, engine. He's like, I think I parked in the wrong spot. <laughs> it's been docked since '67. I don't think. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I was seeing. I was going to see Burlesque Bingo down in Long Beach because a friend's lady was down there performing. A friend from Boston came out. Okay, I'm going to stop the story here. Mm-hmm. What's burlesque bingo? Ah, <laughs> it's not dissimilar from you evacuation ask, bingo. Huh? It's not dissimilar to from evacuation bingo, where you have a uh, uh, laid out grid of the bingo numbers on the floor. Okay. And uh, evacuation bingo, you have a cow or a chicken running around, and where it lets loose, you that's what you call the numbers on. In burlesque bingo, it's where they drop their clothes. Whoa, 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 wait, wait, a live chicken. <laughs> Yes. Or a live cow. So, well, not in burlesque bingo. In evacuation <laughs> bingo. <laughs> this, this isn't Bristol, Connecticut. We're not having live chickens on the stage. <laughs> so in evacuation bingo, you choose your farm animal. You wait for it to either yeah, if pee it, or poo. If it's chicken bingo, it's usually inside the bar. If it's, it's cow bingo, it's usually at a, at a fair. I haven't ever seen it live. I've heard of it. That I've been close to it. That sounds like a really long game of bingo if you're dealing with cows. I don't know. If you give Matt enough bad fish, it'll go quick. <laughs> oh, it's the second time ever I've had food poisoning. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. Well, the difference with the burlesque bingo, though, is since you know the burlesque dancers are obviously people, they, they can be talked into throwing their clothes on a particular square if you're trying to win. Oh, okay. So, so there's a... There's uh, some bribery involved. There's an influence. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Nope. Yeah. How long does the game run? Uh, it's it's the I think there were eight or nine dancers, and there was a different card every dance. Okay, yeah. so so they danced until somebody got bingo. Uh, if they didn't, they, if they didn't hit a bingo by the end of the dance, there was the uh, the host and her three uh, assistants. Uh, one of them would run out and dance until until somebody won. Okay, yeah. So how about so how long would a round go? It was it was usually a song or a song and a half. So it, it, it ran from about 8 to 10.30. <laughs> what did I miss? You missed everything, buddy. 
thinking, I'm thinking about so five minutes. So the song minutes, went two five hours? Minutes, six no, minutes. the song, I said it's like a song, five minutes, song and six a half. Minutes. Like a regular song. Yeah, but you, they asked you how long it lasted. You said 8 to 10.30. So an hour and a I half said a for song, a song. song and a half and then like yeah, but then 30. The, the implication is that the song is lasting an hour to that's an hour and a half. That's how it came out, Andy. All right. Well, that's <laughs> not what I meant. I'm sorry. Are they coming out in Canadian layers? That's a lot of clothes <laughs> you have to throw onto numbers. Yeah. Andy, how many pieces of clothing does each dancer take off? Uh, there's not a set number, but it was you know, probably five or six. But some of Do the- they go in sequence? So like one comes out and if she's done and no one's won, another one comes out? And uh, then- one of the assistants would come out. One of the uh, yeah, one of the, the oh, the, so it's one dancer per card, right? And you know the some of the things they're throwing are like scarfs, so they cover like seven or eight numbers. Okay, so any number it touches, yes, is automatically called. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, that's what I was missing. Mm. Okay, yeah, and like a pasty, not like a number. sparkle pasty <laughs> is is one spot or a... pasty stayed on. I don't know why that is. No, no, I meant us, like but... like what they're wearing during the burlesque, like say you know. Uh, ruby slippers. Yes, sexy clothes. Yes, yes. Like, but like each spot is a different. If you're into that style whole... of an article of clothing, as opposed to generic articles of clothing. It was whatever they're wearing and taking off for the show. Uh, yeah. He's getting upset. I'm not. I'm just confused. <laughs> We're, you're not confused. the only one. <laughs> We're confused. <laughs> okay. Uh... <laughs> So burlesque bingo, you were there. So then you stayed on the Queen Mary. Right, I was overnight. looking for. Uh, yeah, I went to one of the one of the travel sites, Travelocity, Wikipedia, yeah, uh, Wikipedia, uh, Travelocity. Be one of those. I can't remember which one. Wikipedia. But I, I looked at rooms, and there were some lot of crappy hotels. I knew that down there. Sure. And for about fifteen bucks more, the Queen Mary. I'm like, no challenge. Of course, I got the Queen Mary, and there was. It's like Vegas. There was. Resort fees and oh. $22 parking and da-da-da. Yes, and of course. So, yeah, it, st- it cost me more than I expected, but it was still, I got to sleep on the Queen Mary and woke up and strolled around the Queen Mary, which was cool. Get to wander around. So you have just, like, open access to a certain area, I assume? Most of the ship. Really? Yeah, when, I mean, the engine room is apparently closed. Uh, <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, I mean, night, yeah. there's a ghost like hovering, like iceberg, right ahead, and then yeah. disappears. But yeah, I was up on the bridge, and you know, there was a, there were there were a couple of docents wandering around, you know, telling you what stuff was. But it was cool, very cool. Because I've, I've been wanting to go up there and, and stay at well, the Queen Mary. I would think if you're gonna go take the tour, mm-hmm. I don't. Th- I mean, it, it makes more sense to um, to uh, uh, to get a room because you know you're not that much more for the room, I guess. Probably a little more, but if it's two of you staying, it's a lot cheaper than paying two two admissions. Now, I'd have to do the math, but I have never stayed at the Queen Mary. But I will add my own caveat to this: if you're going to stay in Long Beach, you probably should stay at the Queen Mary because the rest of the hotels in Long Beach are not yeah really the greatest hotels. I've, I've stayed at a terrible hotel in Long Beach. So that's why I was yeah I, I knew what I was looking. At. I was looking at the cheap ones. I'm like nope. I stayed at a terrible hotel in Long Beach that had a crunchy carpet. Yummy. Wow. Was, yeah. Did not want to walk barefoot in that room at all. Wonderfully gross. Yeah. Wonderfully gross. I can't wait for Matt's uh, crunchy car. It stories. was the only place with a vacancy. Uh, I had driven out for the Star Trek tour back in, I think it was 07. Mm-hmm. And we got, got all the way down there and turned out there was some convention, like some business convention in Long Beach that you know that day. So, oh, this is before the uh, things like Travelocity were around too. I no, think. they, they were around. Like... They were just you know infant. We we had called around ahead and found. Oh, okay. There's there's several hotels in the area, so we didn't bother to book a room. We got out there and then 
the original plan was we were going to drive out late to do it in the day and then drive back. But, you know, we got out there. It was later than we anticipated when we got out there. So it was like, we got to get a, a room. How, how was the park? Crash. Uh, parking was terrible. <laughs> it is. <clears throat> but at any rate, yeah. The, the only hotel with a vacancy was just really gross. It does take a lot longer to get back from Long Beach than Camarillo, where I usually stay. That's where I was most of the time. I was out there as a Camarillo at a friend's house, but uh, yeah, I stayed at Long Beach for the last night. And uh, you have to drive through the densest, heaviest part of the uh, valley to get out of there. So it took me a while to get out of the valley. Yeah, don't don't stay in Long Beach if you don't have to. Yeah, yeah unless you go to the Queen Mary or a cruise or the. There's an aquarium there, I think. I think so. It's a cute looking little yeah. town from what I saw. Yeah. yeah. Unless you go in one of those three things, you, there's no reason to go along Long Beach. Well, it's a cute looking little city, I guess. It's, it's like it's not predominantly a... industrial up until recent years, right? Where they kind of played up the That's the part I recommend. That's the part I remember was the industrial part, but that was downtown and it's, you know, high rise buildings and, and some fancy eateries and obviously a burlesque club. And, you know. It's cool. It's not a shipbuilding dock there, is there? There's Wasn't a there lot of shipping point? going on there, so I'm not sure one if they're building or not. It's a major port. Yeah, 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 it is a major port. Um, I don't know if they still have the the dry docks there. I'll have to look up that. There is now. there is a room in the Queen Mary that gives me the absolute creeps. So you have been. I've been. Yeah, I've, okay. I've taken a tour through it, mm-hmm. and it, it's it's the room that's like, built off the side of the ship that gives you a view of the propeller that's underwater. Oh wow! I didn't see that one. Yeah, it's 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 a f- it's a dark room. The propeller is enclosed, but it's under the water, mm-hmm. and it has this just the, the the lighting to it, and the fact that you're looking down at this massive propeller into the water. The combination of all that just gives me this really eerie, creepy feeling so the, in that room, and I love it. So clearly, the window is underwater, so you're in an underwater room. You're, it's it's open. I mean, you're in an enclosed room. Mm-hmm. But in it's in the you're looking down in the center of the room and you're looking down into the water at this massive propeller. Wow! Is it like was uh, that part of the ship originally? Like that's how they w- look at the propeller if they're no, it, it was built specifically, built specifically, right. so you could see what it was after it was dried. After there, it was there's docked. a there's a lot of places where they replace regular walls with glass. So like you're looking into the captain's cabin, but you can't go into the captain's cabin. Yeah, get that. So, so yeah, if, when you go to the Cream Mary, uh, make sure you go look at the propeller room because it's just eerie weird. It's, it's under renovations right now, so there's a lot of places you walk around the corner and go, "I'm not sure we're supposed to be in here or not." Yeah. There's a lot of buckets and stuff. And- yeah, they've they've over in the last couple of years they've started opening up more areas of the ship and doing renovations so that for the tours you have more areas where you can go through. And I guess I seem to remember like last year reading something about they they discovered a room they didn't even know was there. Like there was a wall in front of it and. You know that had been installed like when it was dry docked. So for the entirety of the ship being there, they didn't know that like this this room was back behind this false wall. There was, there was just some bones wow. there and a cask of amontillado. Right. But uh, they ended up opening Monteado. it up. That's what I said. It's part of the the expanding of areas of the ship that you can visit. How was Vasquez Rocks? Vasquez Rocks is cool. I, I definitely will go and check it out again when I have a little more time. I, I just sort of swung in. You can actually drive right down to the rocks. Yes. There's a dirt yeah. road that goes down to the rocks. Uh, it's a holiday today, so there were a fair amount of people out there. Right. Um, I, I had trouble taking a picture of the rocks where you couldn't see all the cars parked at the bottom of them. 
So, yeah, uh, well, but I did. I managed to pull it off. It's if, Photoshop. If you're unfamiliar with Vasquez Rocks, that's where Hollywood goes to cheaply film things in mountains. Mm-hmm. So it's where the Gorn fight happened yes, in the original, original Star series. Trek series. Uh, it's where Bill and the, Ted, the young aliens, fought in the third season of Roswell. It's where yeah. pretty much the entirety of the Flintstones live action movie was shot. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's if you see it, you'll know it. Um, there's a distinct um, rock feature that's always in all these movies, but the neat thing about that park is that you can shoot it from a lot of different areas, yep. and each area looks a little bit different. You can see the view that basically you see in Star Trek from the freeway, from the 14 South. Right. Um, it, it, it's fairly obvious from the highway. You get down there, it's like, oh, this is totally it. I totally recognize this. And that's not too far away from Magic Mountain, right? Not far from it at all, no. Yeah. In fact, in that area is also the bridge that they filmed the Lost Boys, where they hung and flew. Oh, is and, it? And I, that's it's actually in the middle of a park. You can go walk across that bridge. Neat. And such. Now, that's I, in that same area. A little public service announcement: If you're ever planning on going to Vasquez Rocks, there, don't. Ho- oh. I was gonna say Hollywood is shooting there all the time. So yep. if you're planning a trip there, plan ahead. Find out if it's going to be open that day, As because I, I know several people that have driven out there to go see it and found out that it was closed because filming was going on. As I turned down the road, there were the, the production signs Yes, uh, for glitter. Glitter or sparkle, something like that. But but that was like, it's a oh fake boy, name. it's going to be... Bo-. Well, obviously, it's a fake name. Yeah. But I got down there and actually, before the park, there was a turnoff. So that it was a, they were, I think, in a ranch okay. somewhere. But yeah, I, was, I was afraid I was going to get down there and not be able to get in. That's the crazy thing. We go to Hollywood... You will see all these signs that show all the crew where to go for some off, off uh, lot filming, mm-hmm. and they're all with these just fake names. When you work for Roswell, you say, "Yep, just follow the signs that say jump bag." All right, jump bag. Okay, jump bag all the way there, and then we got there. So if you see weird signs, usually one color or another, and uh, just straight black letters and that don't mean anything. Yeah, take that if you want to go see some filming. When I was in uh, Vancouver. <laughs> The signs for this, for a shooting of Psych said Psych. Vancouver don't like, care. Yeah, come and come and watch us. We're cool. Well, that's why they enjoy um, shooting in Toronto and places like that because Canadians don't care. Yeah, for yeah. well, yeah, I was gonna say because they don't always close off no. the streets and stuff. Because uh, I I was watching some season one behind the scenes of The Flash, and they have a scene all set up, and he's getting ready to act, and some person just goes walking through on their cell phone <laughs> and and he's like hey how you doing and the guy just like uh, he's like hey who are you talking to was it and a guy mumbles something and goes well tell him the flash says hi and i'm like the guy's just nonchalantly talking to him like you know he and he was in the full flash costume too so it wasn't like he was in street clothes and they were built, but but that that's the one that sticks out to me and i was just like some guy just Walking right through the 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 scene setup, and you know? Hollywood don't care either. Yeah, that's, yeah. It's, it's true. That's why they're so open with it because, for the most part, if you live there, you, you've kind of seen it. Yep. I walked yep. down to uh, Point Doom in Malibu. I love Point Doom. But we got down near the end, and they were filming. I'm like, yeah. Uh, I, I, I looked through my telephone. I was like, no, we can't walk down the beach any further without getting in their shot. Forget yeah. it. I mean, I mean, probably we are legally in the right to walk through it, but I don't be a dick. Yeah, Torgo, yeah. California secret. That's where I always went to go bodyboarding. I love Point Doom. Yeah. So much fun. What other geeky things you do this week? That's a hell of a thing, man. What's that? That's a hell of a thing, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I went to. I also went to um, 
Paradise Cove. And he covers what I don't do. Right, exactly. <laughs> I have to fill in for him. It's an, it's oh, an easy uh, balance. Paradise Cove, which is actually I knew was where they shot a bunch of the uh, Beach Blanket bingo movies. Oh, those. okay. Um, but I didn't realize till this trip that's also where Jim Rockford's trailer was set up. Oh, the Rockford Files. Yeah. Nice. You think Rockford Files is cool. Rockford Files are some things. That you would change if it were up to you. So think about your masterpiece, mm-hmm. watch the Rockford Files, and call and see if Paul could score some wheat. Nice. What? <laughs> Who? Where? What? It's ben Fold's lyrics. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm okay. Straight yeah. off. <laughs> you lost me on that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just nodding in approval, but I didn't know where the hell you were going. What? I uh, I was I started watching this uh, this docudrama this week called uh, Valley of the Boom. It's on uh, National Geographic. And it uh, deals with uh, basically the dot-com boom of the late 90s. Um, specifically, it's uh, it's got a pretty big spread of talent um, portraying you know these real-life characters interspersed with actual interviews of the people that are being portrayed. But uh, it's got uh, Bradley Whitford in it, um, who you'd probably remember from... Uh, West Wing. Sure. Uh, it's got Steve Zahn in it. Oh, I love uh, Steve Zahn. I mean, uh, like, there's a bunch of names you'll you know you'll recognize and faces you'll recognize. Love Bradley but, Whitford. Yeah. But uh, it predominantly focuses on the battle between Netscape and Microsoft for the the, the quote unquote browser wars. Yeah. Um, it ah, also Netscape, right? Oh, I just had a warm fuzzy feeling. Also deals with uh, the Globe.com, which was basically uh, Facebook before Facebook was even a an idea. In Zuckerberg's head, huh. um, and well, the uh, other guy's and then head. then this other company called Pixelon, which is a, basically this this scam artist uh, scammed a bunch of people out of money and um, developed this fake company that uh, was supposed to bring live streaming video to the internet. And the technology that was originally developed, the guy that that had the idea got, that got screwed out of it, the original company. Ended up um, um, instead of taking the real, real technology no, no. And, and, <laughs> and creating like a YouTube or something like that, he just goes and convinces the film industry to invest in his company because he's like, "This is the future. I can you can stream trailers, you can do all kinds of stuff. You can deliver to the audience that might say miss that trailer in the theater." And it all turns out to be a scam. Like he's streaming it off of a hard drive when he's doing the demos and stuff. And the guy has absolutely no technical uh, skill whatsoever. Uh, God damn people. And had essentially stolen the real technology from the guy that developed it, but never used it. So it's 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 pretty fascinating so far. It's only, I'm only four episodes. You're in. saying it's a uh, it's dramatized though. Yes. Okay. What's it called again? Uh, Valley of the Boom. It's on National Geographic. Freddie back there has reminded me we had a little John Cusack marathon out there in California. Yeah, we watched uh, Better Off Dead. Awesome. Uh, which I think is a I, I love watching Gross Point Blank, pretending that Gross Point Blank is a sequel to Better Off Dead. I can, yeah, that and then it could kind of be, yeah. <laughs> and then Tapeheads, which I'd never seen, which is kind of brilliant. Have I? I haven't seen Tapeheads. Tapeheads worth seeing. Really? It's a. Uh, I vaguely remember it. I, I know I started watching. I don't remember if I ever finished it. John Cusack and Tim Robbins. Yeah. Um, very young yeah, and, and, and Robbins it's, and it's um, I think it's directed by Mike Nesmith really it's a weird little film but it's fun huh. but in Better Off Dead this this viewing I noticed is a guy walking around in the cafeteria wearing the Freddy Krueger sweater so, nice so I, I looked it up uh-huh. that actor is the first one to get killed in Nightmare on Elm Street 
So Tina's the first one to get killed, and it's a guy. first guy to get killed. First guy get killed. And, he, oh, and, he, and cool. so he had him wearing the sweater when he shot the Better Off Dead the next year. That's There's also a thriller jacket in the middle of it that's pretty obvious. Better too, Off Dead is just full of just gold. Yes. Just little bits of gold. Yep. Well, there's there's other little like hidden trivia. Like, for example, um, uh, the girl that's the French exchange student in Better Off Dead, mm-hmm. the actress is the same actress that plays... The princess. Uh, the princess in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. The yep. brunette princess, not the redheaded one. She's still acting, too. Not much, but she's yeah, still acting. Yeah, she does a f- occasional things. But apparently, um, especially in the 80s, she was often hired for projects because of her ability to do different accents and different uh, dialogue. He was putting his, his testicles on me. No, no, tentacles. Uh. Tentacles. <laughs> Big difference. <laughs> God, I love that movie. I think my favorite little scene in that is after the dance uh-huh. when uh, John Cusack is uh, what's 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 her name, the actress? Ah, uh, jeez, you're making me dig deep into the the girl that's playing the French uh, French exchange student, mm-hmm. and he's talking to her, and they're not having the easiest conversation because she's sure. still pretending not to right. speak French, not speak English. But in the background, you have Ricky. Which is the home that she's staying in? Yes, these these this uh, this this plump, socially awkward fellow, and he's running with a balloon from the dance, trying mm-hmm. to catch up to Monique. Uh huh, Monique, that's it. And in the background, you see him starting to arrive to where they're sitting there talking, standing there talking, but he loses the balloon. Yes. And he stops and and, and just does this half-hearted <laughs> jump after it. Yep. Because I that's what's that. more important at that moment. It's so just yep. a wonderful moment. That actor is actually really funny because he's always yes. he's always doing something. Yes, yes, um, he is. He he steals the part the movie when he's in it. There's a scene where where we're, uh, John Cusack agrees to do the uh, the the skiing thing, and everyone jumps around and congratulates him. And while he's doing that, Ricky is reaching over and grabbing the Twinkie off of his. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so, it's such a good no, movie. it's a ding dong. Yeah, yeah it's such yeah. a good movie. Kirsten, did you do something this week? Uh, I think you played a little Gloomhaven. Uh, yes! Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Gloomhaven. Well, That's you true. were in L.A.? No. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Why didn't you wait? I was nice and made sure that before he left, he would get to trials of Gloomhaven. So we got together on Friday, on Wednesday night and uh, threw the invite to you, too. But I, I know. I, I couldn't get there. That's all right. I was... That was the first night of things. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Fish. We appreciate yep. you not coming. That was fish yeah. night. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I knew. I was like, shouldn't have had that. <laughs> Wasn't feeling the effects, but I knew something was wrong. That sounds like me last week. Same, similar thing happened to me. So what's your thoughts on Gloomhaven now that you've tried it? Uh, it's a sweet little game. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Little? Things like 400 pounds. Yeah, yeah, little right. is anything but. But yeah, it was. That is, that is my second mortgage. Okay, go. You you were this is your second round on it. What did you think? Oh, it was easier this time. It was. We um, we went through that uh, we had to fight a boss. Yeah. In this one and uh, it's us versus the game and with that third player, we made it work. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, I wasn't doing a lot of fighting. I was mostly buffing you guys, but that was fun. True. That and I enjoyed that. It was helpful. It was. I, that that's probably what made it a lot easier. Yeah. But uh, but now that 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 was the second scenario in the game, and now the game is completely opened up to us, to wherever we want to go next of the places that we've opened up. I gotta get my axe. Mm. Yeah, 
Hey, they, you get, Are you going to hit you, it with your axe? <laughs> you get randomly... Eventually. There's cards on there that give your character a ultimate retirement goal. Once you have done that thing the card says, you have to retire that character. It allows you to open up a brand new unknown character from the box. My, my, my tenth of the way are there already. Tenth of the way. <laughs> but Kay's is really tough because he has to find a very specific axe. In a very specific place. From a specific creature. Yep. And then kill a certain amount of undead with it. Kill seven specific creatures it i i can select i think it's like three different types but i have to get seven of all of one type i have a feeling that because of how specific that one is that it's part of like the main quest track instead of one of the side quests. oh great i'm gonna be playing this guy forever maybe not Mm. because if it is part of the main quest thing i'm sure it's in there at a certain point that uh you reach this dude with the axe and yeah of course, what happens if you know we don't get the treasure in that round? And you just can't go yeah. in like Ace Hardware and be like, "There's an axe." Nope. No. It's got to be uh, a specific axe. Because if you don't grab the treasure that's in that scenario, by the right. time you run out of cards, you have to abandon it for good or attempt the scenario from scratch all over again. Mm-hmm. So you you have a choice if if you really want that treasure or not. Yeah. Because at the end of we've defeated the boss. And, and the minions. And then we had a few cards left. It's like we, there was one of four, there's four doors that we could have gone through. Uh-huh. And we figured one of them had a treasure in it. So we had to choose one of them. If we would have chosen wrong, we would have abandoned that treasure forever. But by doing that, we also screwed up your goal for that game. This is true. We have, you have a personal goal for every scenario. And uh, I, I realized the risk I was taking. Mm-hmm. Treasure was worth, worth it more to me. Mm-hmm. You knew what you were getting into. Yes, I let me crash. But actually, where we're at now, if 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 there's a night where I'm not available and and, and Matt is, you could just throw somebody in at this there point because you you're not. Yeah. Very generously, he's letting you play, Matt. I'm no, just no, telling th- you. Thank you, Andy. I, I'm just saying. The, I'm glad the, I got the, the approval mechanic, from Andy. No, the mechanics of the game are nice in that. Now one. I can show up, Kay. Yeah, I got the okay from Andy. <laughs> Permission granted. That, that is true. You you have. The game exists on its own. Players come in and out of it and advance the story. Mm-hmm. But that's what changes. But yeah, you can go in and out and it doesn't... Uh... And one of the one of the mechanics in the game that I like is that we quote-unquote level up Gloomhaven. Mm-hmm. And leveling up Gloomhaven then helps when people come in because their characters don't start on the ass end of things. Whereas our characters might be further ahead, they actually get a little bump yes, once to start. Gloomhaven, uh, once this prosperity reaches certain levels, like one, like once it's level two, all characters, brand new characters, start at level two instead yeah. of one. And that's a nice touch. Cause it is. I was wondering about that when you started explaining the retirement system. So it was... It was cool. Well, so we had a game night out in California too, where I played a couple different new games. It was uh, uh, I'm missing the name of one where you're building a rocket ship. That was fun. Not the one that we played with Lewis. A different space one. space truckers. No, no, I have I had galaxy truckers. Or galaxy truckers. I, don't, I didn't play that one. Okay. I have I own that. I haven't played that yet. I want to play that. One. Um, we'll do that sometime for okay. sure. Um, but then there was one that was something like cash and guns or guns and cash. Which was the the game is you're a bunch of uh, gangsters who have just finished a job and you're dividing the loot, and there's a mechanic in the game where everybody has a foam pistol, 
And uh, there's a point in the game where you say one, two, three, and everybody points their pistol at somebody, and it suddenly becomes a Tarantino standoff, and everyone's got their gun pointed at somebody. And whether you shoot, whether you there's a whether you're actually shooting or not is a, a card you've put down already before, and so. It's a fun, it's a fun game with the little foam guns. I'm already all yeah. on board. Oh, this it's one. it's so betrayal. It's a betrayal just, mechanic. Just because. it's all betrayal. Yeah, the whole it's, game is betrayal. It's it's a Torgo game. <laughs> but the uh, the highlight was um, uh, Mysterium. So where's the betrayal I mechanic Mysterium. in this? Do you? Yes. Okay. There isn't one. So we can play Mysterium. Mysterium is it's it's, it's hard for the person playing the ghost, but Mysterium is essentially clue meets Dixit. Curse. That's a good way of explaining that. Yeah, curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. Yeah, and we had we had a full comp. We had we had so we had seven people playing. So we had e- to go. E- explain how that is played. So you get, is there's there's a, a a room level there. Oh no, there's a, a person level, a room level, and a weapon level. Just like you know, just like clue. That's the the clue aspect of it. And one person is playing the ghost, and the rest of you are miss are. Uh, uh, mediums, mediums, basically. basically trying to suss out. Um, the ghost is giving everyone their own clues to point them towards a particular person, which is the cards, and you're trying to make them guess the, a particular picture of a person from these weird Dixit-like cards, which are weird things that aren't connected to them. They're all weird artsy pictures. Um, once you get through that, once you've all made it up the levels, if you make it all the way up to the levels and get all of them, you only have seven turns to do it in. Um, once you get up there, then you're trying to figure out which of those six or how many you're playing um, actually did the murder, and we blew it. We got all the way up to the top pretty oh, quickly, wow. and we got to the end, and we all guessed we all guessed wrong, but five of the six of us guessed the same wrong one. So, oh wow! Wow, so, that's the ghost's fault. It was, you know, it, it's a it's a challenging game for the ghost because they gotta you can't try, talk, can't talk, and you've got to try and connect. Weird images with other weird images that aren't related. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Dixit is a, a great explanation for that. I miss that game. I love Dixit. I love I it really so much. It. Uh, the book club book is You by Carolyn Kepnis. I just finished it the other day, so oh. I'll be putting my uh, two cents on the Facebook page. But we have already started nominating the book for February. So if you have a book you want to nominate for the book club, get on to the book club Facebook page and nominate. Anything else geeky that you do this week, guys? You didn't You didn't watch um, Star Trek Discovery Season 2? Uh, no, I haven't yet. Um, he usually okay. waits until there's some I, episodes instead of just like one or two. Yeah, I usually like to wait until... There's enough episodes out to make it worth my while. Yeah. Basically, yeah, what he said. <laughs> I did uh, actually watch... I had something the, else I was going to say, and then my mind mm. went in a weird direction. Watched the last episode of The Orville from the first season, and that was surprising because that episode actually got Star Trekky. It was... This season has two. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to seeing a season two. How are you watching that? Is that on? Is that a who? What do you? Tortuga. Ah, Tortuga. <laughs> well, it should be on the the Fox app. I think you can watch new episodes on that. Fox. Yeah. The app. Oh, the Orville. Fox app. Yeah. For some reason, my brain was on <laughs> Discovery. Oh, gotcha. Wow, that was. But weird. no, yeah. Uh, this season of the Orville has been really good too. In fact, a uh, couple of surprising moments in there that I wasn't expecting. All right. 
I, I started watching Punisher season two, but not for far enough along to make a an opinion on it yet. But I've enjoyed what I've seen. I'll be very uh, curious to hear what you see once you've seen. Oh, it's out! I didn't know it's out. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, the alt right or whatever it is. What is it? The alt right. I don't know. I haven't seen any of it yet, but I'm. I, mean, I haven't gotten far enough to confirm or deny that. Hmm. Okay. Anything else, guys? Why, why, why are you pointing that at me? Because I like to point at you and scare you. You do. You freak me out right now. Yeah. So we're gonna do news you don't give a shit about. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. God damn it! I thought you were gonna skip it this time. I don't know why. I don't know why either. I'm not gonna do that. Happens the same point every single show, Andy. Russian company <laughs> Start Rocket. Start Rocket is looking to put ads in space. Oh God, here goes. Uh. <laughs> Start Rocket wants to use CubeSats to fill the night sky with ads that could be floating around as soon as 2021. Oh God, no! <laughs> Astronomers are not having it. Uh, glowing ads would add to the increasing problem of light pollution and make it even more difficult to study objects in space. Apparently, to some, the sky is just a blank canvas that could potentially rain down profits. Uh, CubeSats already would start would save start rocket money because they're inexpensive to launch. Flying up to 280 miles above the Earth, these mini satellites would unfurl 30-foot mylar sails and come together in one pixelated billboard with almost 20 square miles of space that can be seen from land. Orbital displays will be visible on clear nights. It will shine at magnitude negative 8, which isn't much compared to the sun, which is negative 27 and dimmer than negative 17 moonlight. Uh, they would make themselves visible by catching and reflecting sunlight, which would make them visible in both morning and evening twilight, and would last a year. Oh, oh God. Space, space this is ads. not a good idea. I, uh, space not ads. a good idea. This is, this is Drink the, Coca-Cola. The first time I've been in favor of Space Force. <laughs> uh, I, I, how much junk is there at that level of space there's so much junk up there i, I could just see that shit getting torn apart from yeah. space junk let's hope yeah, right <laughs> you're watching then all of a sudden the ad just keeps fizzling out i paid good money for that ad yeah yeah, yeah that's something super villains do that's something chairface chippendale does oh what a feeling to drive it should mm. be reading it yeah and tonight you'll be able to see the partial solar eclipse at oh never mind there's an ad for uh, viagra <laughs> and, and they were even talking about if your like, ad stays up more than four hours <laughs> <laughs> they were even talking about like broadcasting like uh, the opening of the Olympics up there so I guess you could watch it but, uh. ah see that's how they're going to get away how they're I'm trying not, to not. sell it how they're trying to yeah, sell it yeah. is in case of world emergencies you could put the instructions on what to do when there's no power uh, what what's it say? Bend over and kiss your ass goodbye. What? Or or, or you would have seen the comet hurtling towards Earth, but this ad's in the way. <laughs> so we could have warned you three years oh, ago, that's but funny. yeah, this, this is why we have international treaties. <laughs> yeah, but he did say it was a Russian company. So yeah, Fortnite's in-game currency system of V Bucks has reportedly become a haven for money laundering criminals. <laughs> who, uh, of course. Who've recognized this potential as a platform where stolen credit cards can be used to purchase V-Bucks and then resell them at a discount to gamers via the dark, dark web. Uh, the Independent revealed the results of its investigation into the matter conducted in partnership with cybersecurity firm Sixgill. 
the game's massive global popularity as well as the flexibility and ease of its microtransactions across the world have proven enticing to credit card thieves looking for a way to convert card spending power into real cash. Quote, criminals are, exec- are executing card fraud and getting money in and out of the Fortnite system with relative impunity, Six Gill senior intelligence analyst told The Independent. Epic Games acknowledged and responded to the report, telling Hollywood Reporter the company, quote, takes these issues seriously as chargebacks and fraud put our players and our business at risk. Epic advised Fortnite players to protect their accounts by turning on two-factor authentication, not reusing passwords and using strong passwords, and not sharing account information with others. While that does diminish opportunities for thefts, they can't stifle the unsuspecting player's compulsion to jump at the sca- chance to scoop up dirt cheap V-Bucks. Mm-hmm. As, they, as I wrote, happen to spy while surfing the dark web? Do you happen upon the dark web? I don't know if you do. No. Yeah. No. Uh, the Independent Report noted examples of suspected dark web come-ons, including one seller who accepted Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash as payment, who claimed to be selling at discount because his in-game avatar is, quote, fucking rich as fuck, and just wants to, quote, give back to the deep web at a massive discounted rate, unquote. Despite being totally free to download and play, Fortnite is among the world's most profitable entertainment products in terms of money earned over time. Epic, the company behind it, earned a reported $2.4 billion from the game's massive player base last year, primarily through character customizing microtransactions and other cosmetic modifications that don't affect the outcome of a battle. It far outpaces the roughly $1.2 billion per year average of Rockstar's Grand Theft Auto, the most profitable single media product of all time, with an estimated $6 billion in revenue since October 2013's debut. So Fortnite! So you can use the money you make Skyping cards to build space ads. It's all supervillains all the time now. Crickets. All supervillains, man. (laughs) Listen, they're going to find a way. Credit card, they're always going to find a way. Yeah. There's more things besides Fortnite, dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why it's a story that happens to deal with the media company and video games, and video games are bad, and this is a new rock and roll. I I just don't think the people that made Fortnite were... Ready for this? Yeah, yeah. This is this is beyond their scope of thinking, and that'd be a hard thing to. I don't know how they crack down on it, frankly. You can't because that's because it's happening third thing, party. Yeah. yeah, without changing the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, anytime you open yourself up for microtransactions, you're just opening yourself up for potential. So there you go, laundering. Jeff. No microtransactions. But this I, video game companies I, learn. I don't disagree with you on this. If this is the thing that kills microtransactions, maybe you know that might be a good thing. But it's not going to going to, and I'm. And I'm in the camp that Fortnite is one of the few games that's actually doing microtransactions right, right. Yeah. because they're not not selling cheats, they're not selling big guns, right. They're selling repaints and dances for your character. They're selling cosmetic things only. Yeah, but they're selling a lot of them. But uh, I, I'm fine with you selling stuff that changes what your horse looks yeah, like. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't have as much of a problem with that because I mean, some people. I mean. They'll they're customized avatars on their phones mm-hmm. and spend thousands of dollars on that. You know, it's, it's you know it doesn't affect anything else on the phone. It doesn't affect how they communicate with other people. So that's 
I have less of a problem with that, but at the same time, yeah, it's just just yet another gateway for I mean, criminals will find a way anything they can find a way to exploit, they'll exploit it. It's just Fucking what it comes Dr. down Malcolm to. Dr. Malcolm right here. Insert criminals. Dr. Malcolm. Find a way. <laughs> find a way. <laughs> News you don't give a shit about. <sighs> Max Seidentopf. A German Nambian artist with deep appreciation for pop culture. A what artist? A German Nam- Namibian? Namibian. That's okay. A, That's a country. Yeah. All right. Has contrived an always-on art installation somewhere in the Namibian desert. We're not even an hour into the episode. I'm dealing with Namibian. He's dealing with the Namibian stroke. <laughs> that looks like something out of Stanley Kubrick movie and sounds exactly like Africa by Toto. Powered by solar panels that assure the project can live up to its 24-7 promise, the installation recognizes the popular 1982 song's Eternal Rebirth. After resurging in the popularity thanks to Weezer's cover version last year, the song got even more play recently when Pitbull adapted it for Aquaman's soundtrack. Uh, Seidentopf explains on Toto Forever's project page that the whole idea is to, quote, to keep Toto going for all eternity. Thanks to the solar-powered six-speaker array that is attached to an MP3 player that has only one song on it. While Seidentopf provides a basic map that indicates this installation's general location, its exact whereabouts are and intended to remain a secret at least until someone with a specific passion discovers it. So basically, oh, somewhere in the desert, uh, don't find it. Somewhere in the middle of the desert, <laughs> someone there, died. There is a bunch of speakers and an MP3 player forever playing Toto's Africa. What about nighttime? You, you don't think there's they, enough power in that to keep that going? They wouldn't. Yeah, it's it's the solar panels charge the batteries during the day, and the batteries operate at night. Uh. So you so you're saying it's not at the base of Mount Kilimanjaro? Definitely not, because that'd be too easy. Because it would be rising like Olympus above the Serengeti. Exactly. Okay. You, you know you can't see those from each other, right? It also <laughs> wouldn't be a Namibia. It. Oh, Kilimanjaro. Is it, is it somewhere in Africa? It doesn't have to be in Namibia. Namibia. <laughs> it says it says it's somewhere in the Namibian desert. All right, the Namibia. All right. Well, that could be a couple different. Yeah, countries. You got Ergongumbla. <laughs> uh, Where's gee. your Namibian desert? That's a big, that's a big right desert. So. It is. It is. Yeah. That's, yeah, I think it's, it's like off, three or f- off of the Kalahari Desert. Uh, you know Something what? Something like that. <laughs> you know what? It, it gets very know. cold there. So uh, You're as close to an expert about deserts <laughs> out there than, than any of us else in the room. <clears> that's here. true, but, I, but yeah. even then I was on the wrong continent for this question. Sure. <laughs> so, <clears throat> you're, but, you, you come as close as anyone in a room has. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, just, no. Just, but you were, you were in that general vicinity, mm. just not. At, you were just closer you're we're talking yeah. than the rest real? of us. Yeah. Yeah. I went to Israel for two weeks. I don't think that qualifies. Me. I went to Egypt a couple times. That's closer. So yeah, you're right. Closer. Yeah, he's closer. Yeah, yeah. All right. All okay. Right. I went to play that fucking game. I went once, but I only went to Alexandria. So yeah. Listen, I read a book oh, on Namibia. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So. But you did ride a camel to the pyramids there, Torio. Namibia, the Queen. 
Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I like Alexandria. So, you know, I totally vote for her if I lived in New York. Yes. We can and see. Andy's still confused. I, That's I, awesome. I missed some news, apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just the past several months. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Oh, yeah. She rocks. <laughs> you didn't catch that? No. Like, he's oh, like, my. And I said, you need to watch the news. And he's like, I've been on vacation. I don't, but how long a vacation? <laughs> I thought you were talking about Alexandria in Egypt. Yeah. Well, okay. yeah. That's, by the where, way, that's where the tent. Oh, my God. Yeah. Anyways, by the way, the library in Alexandria, the new modern one, is friggin' fantastic. The other one, the other one burnt down, right? Oh, the other one's (laughs) in the in the in the sea. Yeah, it's. it's, it's, It was the only way they could put out the fire. (laughs) (laughs) Throw it in the water. (laughs) Oh yay! Oh shit! I just—it's all parchment. Fuck! (laughs) The the, the ink is bleeding. Oh, oh! That was the only place where we put the Greek fire. Shit. Um, <laughs> what are you planning, Andy? You want to say something so bad? Oh, I, I, no, I, I, I went. I went straight to the Namibian desert, and and Google tells me I can't get there from here. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a little. But you lake. tell it to give you directions. Is <laughs> that <laughs> apparently yes. There's a little apparently lake I press the wrong button and went directions. <laughs> give me directions to the Toto Forever installation. <laughs> there's a. There's How much exhibit? one bet someone dies trying to find it? I don't know if it's still there, but there was an exhibit. So, like, out there in the middle of the desert, fucking. <laughs> I would say I don't think anyone cares enough, but no, I know just, better. Someone yeah, out there, there is dumb enough to Somebody's try. Somebody's yeah. going to be obsessed. Well, it's going to be a couple American tourists. They're going to have, like, a can of Coke, you know, and they're going <laughs> to get Swedish, out of their car on a, on a dirt road, and they're like, let's try this direction. We got some beef jerky. And they're going to go a quarter mile, get lost, wander around in a circle, and then die. Yeah, <laughs> and somehow I can just see it too, like like fucking Kentucky Wildcat shirt, and like <laughs> uh-huh. I'm, visioning, I'm visioning the whole party. <laughs> wow, but somehow stumble across the. Uh, you're so proud of your sounds. <laughs> they somehow stumble across the Tunisian Star Wars sets. I don't know how, but that's right. Oh, that, that would works. be cool. That would also be. A There's long an exhibit walk. somewhere in the Mojave, oh, somewhere somewhere uh, between here and L.A. That's uh, a hot tub that you, it's all sealed up and you you have to go get the key from some museum in L.A. And they, they give you the secret directions to it and you can rub the hot tub and sit in the hot tub and then close it back up and walk it back up. Sounds too much work to sit in a dime hot tub. It's, it, that's, not, that's the nature of art, Matt. That's, Amer- that's American style art. The, the sad you thing, appreciate our cultures. The sad thing is that I know exactly what he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> What what museum do you go to for this key? I think it might be LACMA. That, that's that's the contemporary art museum. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it makes all the sense. It's a freaking hot tub hidden in the middle of the desert. Yep, and and it's functional. I can't wait not to do it. Boy, know, that right? sounds like a Toto song right there. <laughs> the Namibian desert is huge. Yes. Wow. It's yeah. huge. Huge. <laughs> huge. It gets, it gets very big, cold at night too, like snow and ice and shit. Yeah. Snow and ice. Mm. But that's but somewhere that song plays forever. That's true. That's where they filmed uh, Fury Road, isn't it? A lot of people Is died trying to go across that. Namibian. You know, I used to be able to say that fucking word, Torgo. <laughs> Until I said Oh, it. Jesus. That's like the time my Namibian. friend fucked me up on Massachusetts. 
Namibian. And, and it's actually, it's the worst. We, we've been saying Namibian desert. It's just the Nabib desert. Nabib? Nabib. Nabib. Okay. Nabib. That's easier. Nabib. All right. So the guy is German Namibian. You motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Namibian. You know what? What are you saying is correct? Because I could always say it, and now I'm having trouble because of <laughs> you. Namibian. Fucking Namibian. 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 His, Namibian. His mush mouth is infectious. Oh, my oh. God. <laughs> I, I hate Come to tell you, with me. but you've caught a case of the Torgo. <laughs> oh, no. A torrid case of the Torgo. I've got tongue torsion. <laughs> in case you missed the music a little bit ago, we are in Weekend Geek. <laughs> <laughs> We're in Weekend Geek now? Yeah, so. Oh. Oh, boy. Talk about Michelle Yeoh. Talk about Michelle Yeoh. Did we already? Th- we covered week? that last week. Did- oh, we did. Yeah. We'll talk about her again. Talk about her again. <laughs> <laughs> Why? She's not a 17. What was it? 17 year old. What? What? What the hell were you, you on about last time? 17 year old girls with swords or something? Or What? What? Yeah, yeah. The shock buckets will back me up. I'm not crazy. No, they won't. No, no one backs you up. You, you, you are crazy, but sadly, you're right. They probably will back you up on whatever. I, am, I, I don't whatever, even know what whatever he was trying to say. You're talking about that teenagers with swords. All I heard was 17 year old girl with swords. Was your search history? We're not supposed to search your search history because of that. Okay. Don't, okay. Anyways. Don't search. Go my ahead, search Go ahead. Next. Can, next. We, we uh, can next we can I'll take swords <laughs> for a thousand dollars. Yeah, uh, guys, if you know what the hell Andy's talking about, please bring it up. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I guess. Don't give him the satisfaction. Oh, give me the satisfaction. You know you love me. Jason Reitman will continue the tradition started by his father, Ivan, and helm the next big screen Ghostbusters adventure. The director of Front Runner has already penned a script with Gil Keenan, who directed the Poltergeist remake back in 2015. Ivan Reitman, who directed the first two Ghostbusters films, will project. So, well, you're right. It's too early for this. Will produce the film via his production it's not banner. Protect it. Protect it. Okay. It's yeah. going to be projected eventually. <laughs> Montecito Pictures. Uh, details of the new movie's plot are locked down for now, but sources say the story will be a continuation of 1989's Ghostbusters 2, and will ignore the 2016 reboot from director Paul Feig. The upcoming Ghostbusters sequel will also be the first big-budget film for the younger Reitman. The filmmaker has mostly tackled smaller-scale, story-centric films like Juno, Up in the Air, and last year's Ode to Motherhood, Tully, all of which were critically acclaimed. So, yay, more Ghostbusters! Yeah, I'm fine Yay. with that. I'm fine I've with that. I've never been a Ghostbusters fan. Well, but besides Dan Aykroyd, who's he going to get on board? Uh, yeah, I don't expect really anybody. It's it's going to be new people. It's got to be. It's, no one else really wants to do it anymore. Yeah. One's not alive to do it. Yeah. Murray definitely doesn't want to do it. Aykroyd right. will be in it. There's no yeah, doubt. In my I mean, mind. Aykroyd will probably be there in some kind of uh, maybe a script, a ghost. script consultant. A ghost fashion because I, I know he consulted on the uh the uh the ghostbusters um vr experience they had at the void which okay. isn't around anymore pissed me off I it was gone know. already yeah it, it came and went like that it, it, I, I i never got to go do it wow the ghostbusters or the void no the void is still there okay, okay. <laughs> i wanted to be sure i wasn't sure the star wars was one is still there the wreck at ralph is going on but the ghostbusters one is like only available in dubai like right now oh wow uh, of f- all of their locations around the world that's the only one that has I it did not expect it to go away so i didn't either but uh you know that's weird such dubai. is life now it, it, i'm real nervous at the same time with ghostbuster stuff because 
the first Ghostbusters that the first movie is lightning in a bottle. That that's yeah. a movie that shouldn't work and does. Well, the, and there were too many just perfect events that happened at the time. Yes, but but even more yeah. so, Ghostbusters two is not that great. No, and Ghostbusters three is amazing though. The video game that should have oh, been the third movie. Got to the oh yeah the the, the Atari released video game. The the one that came out on the Xbox, yeah, that one. You're right. That was a that's, good story. That's more of a proper sequel than Ghostbusters Two was. But I've um, the Ghostbusters movie that came out a couple years ago was okay. wasn't great. It had some good moments, but story wise, was kind of a mess. Yeah, it was kind of weak. And the IDW comic series, which expands and tells more stories in that universe, is not good. Really, at all, at least the ones I've read, and I've read quite a few of them. I mean, they're still writing new ones, maybe they're getting better. So, mm, I want to see more Ghostbusters, but I'm not feeling all hopeful that it's going to be great. I mean, the, do you think the first one, Lightning Bottle, is right? I mean, even with a whole bunch of changes, but with yeah. actors they couldn't get, they switched out, and yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, just. Yeah, yeah it, it's a movie, and mm. even arc-wise, it's a movie that shouldn't work. The The story arc really isn't one. It's weird. It's right. a weird movie. It's a bunch of vignettes thrown together. Right. Why Why is Venkman carrying Thorazine on him? What kind of date was he expecting? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that? And then you have the weird... Uh, you check this out if you haven't seen this. Uh, there's, like, scenes that aren't in the movie that were cut out. Yeah. Starring the stars of Ghostbusters... Dan Aykroyd and Murray as bums, the homeless guys. In the first one, or the- yeah, the first one. Okay, so they're they're cut out scenes that were filmed for the movie, and they're weird. It's just weird that they exist, and when you watch them, they don't make any sense to be in the picture. But then again, neither does the picture itself. It's weird. I love I know Ghostbusters. A whole, but it's weird. Whole section was cut out that ended up being just showing up in the uh, the uh, <laughs> the montage with the. Uh, with the ghost giving Aykroyd a blowjob. Yeah, they were supposed whole, to go mm. to a a fort, an old fort of some sort, and that's where that's supposed to take place. That's why you see uh, Aykroyd has that... Uh, the weird dream sequence, not the, shimmer not, thing. Not just the dream sequence, but he's wearing a military suit of some sort in that. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why, because they're in this fort trying to... So yeah, that's a whole different story scene that was filmed that was recut together into that weird segment. Mm-hmm. So Ghostbusters is... Uh, the history of Ghostbusters is weird. Yes, it is. Aykroyd is brilliant in Gross Point Blank, though. So, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, We're back to Gross Point Blank. Yeah. So I'm uh, both excited and nervous about a new Ghostbusters. Uh, but, you know, right I'm, I'm sure. I feel a lot better... I feel a lot more confident about this one than I do about the uh, the previous one sure uh just because the director has passed some connections and was on the set for the first one i think or at least the second one it was a kid at the time but yeah, yeah i do believe you're right that yeah. he got to visit the set and um he's made some good movies that you know it, yeah I, I think we'll be fine i just it still saddens me that 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 female-led ghostbusters did so poorly because i mean you had a lot of talent there. Yeah. A lot mm-hmm. of talent. It a was, lot of potential. And it wasn't a bad movie at all. Just It wasn't a bad it movie, was but it was, yeah, they, this, the storyline, I think one of the the best, like, analysis, critical analyses of, of the movie as to why it just didn't feel like it didn't work was that 
Feig, Paul Feig was encouraging a lot of improvisation during the film, yeah. and a lot of the the scenes that you saw were a lot of improv scenes. So, yes, all of these women are brilliant improv artists, and they're also fantastic actors scripted. So I think a lot of it comes down to his editing decisions when he was cutting the film down and choosing to use the the improv scenes versus the edited scene or the uh, scripted scenes. And then that really kind of hurt the whole through line of the story. And it was also a film that was conceived by cool scenes and then they yes. found ways to link those together. Yes. Like the coolest scenes in that movie are stuff that's like, that would be cool if we had this. Yes. Wouldn't it be cool if we did this? Yes. would be cool if, if she does the gun this way. Yeah, that's cool. Now let's link all these scenes together. What story can we tell? Right. And I'm not sure that's the best mm-hmm. way to write a script. Yeah, that's true. All right, uh, some sad news. Mm-hmm. I, I meant to get to this last week because, but we ran out of time. Uh, Batten Lash, yes, the famed comic book creator of Wolf and Bird, counselors of the Macabre, later titled Supernatural Law, passed away at the age of sixty-five after a two-year battle with brain cancer. Lash was also known for writing Simpson stories based around Radioactive Man for Bongo Comics, the famous Archie meets the Punisher crossover series in nineteen ninety-four. I don't remember that one. Oh, yeah. Man. Yep, the, and, that sounds like a read. I want to read that. <laughs> <laughs> and the first gentleman of the apocalypse for Aces Weekly. Born in Brooklyn in October of 1953, Lash attended New York School of Visual Arts, learning visual arts under the tutelage of cartoon icons like Will Eisner. In 1979, he debuted Wolf and Bird, Counselors of the Macabre, in the Brooklyn paper. The comic strip revolved around Alana Wolf and Jeff Bird, two lawyers that aid monsters, vampires, werewolves, ghosts, etc., in strange legal binds. Between 1983 and 97, the National Law Journal picked up the strip, but a fully-fledged comic book series was launched for Wolf and Bird, now titled Supernatural Law, in 1994. That same year, Lash and Estrada established Exhibit A Press, which has published all comics and graphic novels about the two supernatural attorneys for over 20 years. Lash is survived by his wife, Jackie, a veteran of the comics industry herself, as she is an administrator of the annual Eisner Awards held in San Diego Comic-Con every year. If you've been to the San Diego Comic-Con, you've seen Batten, because he's the guy in the vest, dressed impeccably. Yes. Yeah, he, he stood out in that crowd because he was the only one dressed like a grown-up. Yep, I, I bought copies of Wolf and, of uh, Supernatural Law off of him. Yep. Hmm. And Dan Strepka, the Oscar-winning makeup artist for iconic genre films and television, has passed away at the age of 88. Strepka was known for his work on early Planet of the Apes movies, as well as Mission Impossible TV series. He was right. instrumental in the creation of the peel-off M.I. masks. Born in California in October of 1930, Strepke's prolific makeup career began as an assistant on projects like Cecil B. DeMille's remake of The Ten Commandments. Wow. Right? In the late 1960s, he took over as the head of 20th Century Fox's makeup department, which created the humanoid simians in the Planet of the Apes in 1968. Some of Strepke's other notable genre projects include The Island of Dr. Moreau and Harry and the Hendersons. He was also Tom Hanks' personal makeup artist, so did all of the makeup for Hanks' movies. Hmm. Hmm. So I'm trying to think of heavy makeup stuff. Heavy makeup Hank stuff. Um, <laughs> it's more natural makeup stuff. You think like stuff like Forrest Gump. Yeah. Oh sure. Yeah, I used to go through a lot of ages in that. 
It's not bad. Yeah. 10 Cloverfield Lane's Dan Trachtenberg has been chosen to helm a movie adaptation of Naughty Dog's Uncharted video game series. The up-and-coming filmmaker is taking over for Sean Levy, behind Stranger Things, who had to bow out of Sony Columbia's produced project over scheduling conflicts with his movie Free Guy. The film will play out as an origin story for famed treasure hunter Nathan Drake, who will be portrayed by Tom Holland from Spider-Man Far From Home. Per the uh, aforementioned report, the plot will revolve around Drake's first ever encounter with his cigar-chomping friend, Victor Sullivan. A production date hasn't been locked down, but the project could start filming before the end of the year. A second entry to J.J. Abrams' Cloverfield Cinematic Universe at Paramount, 10 Cloverfield Lane received rave reviews from critics and racked up more than $110 million at the global box office against an estimated budget of $13-$15 million. I'm all for that brand new like uh, Indiana Jones style. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I want more Indiana Jones style colonial conquest. I really just I'm want all it. for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's I just love that stuff. That, that whole pulpy, the 20s, 30s, ancient, 40s, yeah. ancient traps and treasures. I love that stuff right. during that time. Yeah, and the Uncharted series, frankly, does it the best these days. They, they, pretty good. Those games tell fantastic stories. So if you, if you get that itch and you haven't played Uncharted, that will scratch it. Indeed. Uh, speaking of Sean Levy, since he's not doing that, he's rebooting Unsolved Mysteries for Netflix. Mm. Oh, <laughs> did you intentionally drop your mic? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm at, too. Like, eh. The new version of the series, comprised of 12 episodes, will be overseen by Robert Wise and original co-creator Terry Dunn Muir. Muir. Both are acting as executive producers. Created by Dunn Muir and John Cosgrove, also EP on the reboot, in the late 1980s, Unsolved Mysteries explored some of the strange, most head-scratching enigmas in history using reenactments and documentary-style interviews to engage viewers. While crimes were obviously ripe for episode material, another big budget involved big subject... Jesus Christ, my reading is broken. <clears throat> another big subject involved unexplained paranormal events. Airing 260 episodes over 11 seasons, the show nabbed a total of six Emmy nominations. Raymond Burr, Virginia Madsen, and Dennis Farina... Is that Frida? Yeah. 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 Okay. Mm-hmm. You're right you on said, that one. You said wow. that one right. <laughs> <laughs> We're among some of the celebrities to act as host over the years. Said Wait, celebrities? Wasn't, <laughs> wasn't that Robert Stack's? Yeah, he started. Yeah, yeah St- okay. Stack was the one that came So, So off. the question now is what, what beloved, uh, respected celebrity are they going to get to demean themselves? Uh, this modern take on the classic series will maintain the chilling feeling viewers loved about the original while also telling the stories through the lens of premium Netflix documentary series, reads the press release. Each episode will focus on one mystery and once again will look to viewers to help aid investigators in closing the book on long outstanding cases. Drop the shoe. Who's the host? I don't know. I don't no, I know who exactly you should get for it. Hold on. One. Oh, should, oh he's got somebody. Who should oh, hold we get? on. I need to search. Hold on. All right. So go on. And I'll At Anita point, search what she's been in. Anita, no, I, 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 great. I can see his face. No, no, no. At one point, Shatner was rumored to have been taking over the Unsolved Mysteries hosting, he, but he would that, add some vocal gravitas. Yeah, but uh, it would. Yeah, Kelsey they, something. something. Kelsey. Kelsey Grammer. Kelsey Grammer? No, 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 no. Uh-huh. It's the uh, only Kelsey I know. No, there's yeah. another one. Um, <laughs> Must be Canadian. 
he did some stuff with Christopher Titus. That show, he was his father. Stacy Keach is. What am I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> I liked the unsolved mysteries where they were the crime-driven ones, like you know the the literally. Yes, Stacy Keach. <laughs> That's who they should get. He has the voice for it. Like that. That reminds you of like a statue, like light. Perfect. But the supernatural ones, I was just kind of. Eh. Why was I thinking Kelsey? <laughs> I was kind of, I was kind of the opposite growing up with it. The, Do you agree the, though? Stacey the crime ones didn't interest me all that much. But no. The supernatural ones. This. Let's face it. Unsolved mysteries was our version of what's that Nemoy in search, of? in search of basically. That's that's, yeah, what, but that's what we had in search of. It always felt like it was all supernatural. It though. was. I mean, you know, they always said that it was. You know. Not just supernatural. It was supposed to be other, you know, mysteries being solved. But it, it, in search of, like, I remember my dad just to obsessively watch that show, and I thought, oh, hey, it's Spock, and you know, so I'd start watching it with him. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> like, I remember distinctly they had one like the unsolved mystery of the, you know, the statue is on Easter Island. And, oh yeah. And I remember just going to, who could have possibly created these, and why did they leave them here? What led to the... Just, they actually I'm like, just discovered why they're put where they're at. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I mean... But, yeah, this is yeah. the 70s, so... Mm. Mark where water... A source of fresh water. But they both had that creep factor. That's that's what I tie them both together as. Okay. I didn't feel like Unsolved had the creep factor. It did, because it, it had that music. Yeah. That music was... Yeah. Yeah. That, in fact, as a kid, it probably led to... A few sleepless nights just thinking about that music. I would watch the show, but I'd like to have to close my ears during the opening. Nightmares. <laughs> Dude, the X-Files What's theme this? has that, too. Sure. Like that, that style of me where you're like, oh. Yeah, you're home alone, night. Stacey Keach yeah. is currently in a series. Uh, but he yeah, should be Bank. the host of that show. Right, as I'm saying, but uh, I guess there's one you couldn't. But um, what's his name? The guy that played uh, Flash Gordon, who's still acting. He's got the kind of voice for it, too. Sam Jones. Sam Jones, yeah. And he's in that category of people that aren't doing much right now. That <laughs> Sam Jones, just as a side note, is hilarious in both the Ted movies. I just, he cracks me up. <laughs> I like to see Tony Todd as host of this. Tony Todd. That's pretty good. That could work like, too, actually. I would like yeah. Tony Todd. I'm not getting uh, Tony Todd. Tony Todd played Candyman. That man is busy as Star hell Trek. right now. Though. Yeah, he, um, he was Worf's brother. Okay, that one remember. Okay, yeah. He's got gravitas. The guy who... He was the president <clears throat> on uh, Rick and Morty. Mm. Oh, okay. <clears throat> the guy A lot who of science fiction, you'll see him. Played yeah. the concierge in the John Wick movies. Oh, oh he yeah. was great, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, he was on... Um, I should see that. Was, what else I, was I he in? I have them both on I missed the I missed the, uh, the John Wick Chapter 3 trailer this weekend. That doesn't and, answer my question. Isn't it available online? Yes, it I, is. Yes, but... Jeff's so old. i got to watch it on CBS All Access. I'm paying for that <laughs> shit. <laughs> we established that you've paid for it longer He's than he has. He's, <laughs> He's thinking of the guy that was in Deadwood and American Gods. Um, the actor oh, uh, with the gravity. No, 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 no. Ian McShane? No, no, not Ian McShane. Oh, you're Although I think he'd be pretty good. The concierge oh, in the um, Continental. Uh, yeah, who was, uh, he was on Fringe and... Um, Get out of my bar. Yeah. I mean, shit, unsolved mystery. Uh. It would be my honor. <laughs> it would be my honor to watch your dog. Yeah. That guy. Okay. Yeah, you threw me there for a second. I'm thinking... 
I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> Matt Holloway and Art Markham, the duo behind the screenplay for the original Iron Man film, which kicked off the MCU, may be tackling the script for Sony Pictures and Mattel Films as Masters of the Universe. According to The Wrap, the duo is in talks to rewrite David S. Goyer's script, who is executive producing. The project comes as part of Mattel's new film division, Marvel Studios, which will dedicate itself to movies that directly tie into its toy lines, which obviously includes He-Man. The upcoming Barbie Barbie movie starring Margot Robbie is another Mattel Studios production currently in development. I want to go see this. Barbie? Wait. wait? I haven't heard (laughs) about this. Yeah, Margot Robbie is going to be Barbie. All right. I was shocked by that one as well. I was like, what? Uh, the He-Man toy line was first launched by Mattel in the early 80s and was made into a film in 87. Bong! Starring Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> but no word on the re- on a release date for this ever-developing film. Wow. Now, I know you said rap. You meant W-R-A-P. But I love the idea of there being a news source. It's just like all in rap. The rap, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how it works. Mm-hmm. You, sh- you should start it, Andy. No. <laughs> I know. Of all the white people to rap, I'm on the bottom of the list. <laughs> You're not even on the list. Good point. <laughs> Lance Reddick. Yes. That's his name. That's the actor. He was also in Lost. I didn't know that. No. Was he Lost? They all were. Mm. The Final Destination horror franchise is about to get revived. Oh, God. <laughs> Screenwriters Patrick Melton and Darius Dunstan will well, write the script for the sixth installment of the series which what? will be produced by Warner Brothers Pictures. What part of final don't they understand? <laughs> New Line Cinema Division. Uh, Melton and Dunstan launched their careers with the movie Feast but are best known to genre fans for writing the 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th chapters of the Saw series. Their other scripts include the... Sorry, co- there are 7 Saw movies? Yeah, the last one came out called Jigsaw. Oh my god. They're actually kind of awesome. The other scripts yeah. include The Collector and its sequel... In their own ways. The collection they wrote Piranha Three Double D, and the upcoming <laughs> the upcoming scary stories to tell in the dark. <laughs> the five previous Final Destination films each feature a group of people who avoid death in a mass casualty accident thanks to one person having a premonition about it, only to be stalked by death and dispatched in various inventive ways afterwards. The series was fiscally reliable for New Line from 2000 to 2011 earning more than $655 million against a total budget of $154 million for all five entries. You didn't say good. You said fiscally reliable. That's all that matters. Okay. But all I right. will say, I like the Final Destination films. Overall, I think they are a lot of fun. I like the, the concept. Group escapes death, but no one escapes death, and death comes to claim them. Death isn't a physical entity played by anyone. It's an invisible force that manipulates events to make things happen. So everything happens in kind of a Rube Goldberg-esque way. So yeah, it's a fun way of horrorizing films. Yeah. So yeah, if you haven't seen Final Destination, I recommend it. What, Kevin there, Kevin Sawa, man. There was that one scene, um, you probably know, where they're hiding out in that hunting cabin, and he's like opening the door, he's like, oh, fuck you, and it's like happened to be like a knife. He's like, fuck that shit, locks. And then he like goes out to like a fishing part, and he's like, oh, look, a hook, going to kill me with that? I don't think so. <laughs> it, it knows what it fun, is. Yeah. As they oh, go you're going to get me with that fishing wire, huh? Fuck you. <laughs> and he, they're all locking it up. But. It's better than Matt's making the sound. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> 
I've never been able to look at logging trucks ever again. That's one of the most memorable oh, yes. scenes. My God, you get up. I get within a mile on the highway, and I start sweating. <laughs> and I'm in front of them, and I'm still sweating. <laughs> The Vision and Scarlet Witch, the new series in development for Disney Plus streaming service and based around Avengers characters, has found itself a writer and showrunner. Jack, excuse me, Jack Schaefer will write the pilot and also come aboard as executive producer. Schaefer is one of the four credited screenwriters. Schreiber, Schreiber, Schreiber. Thank you. Schreiber. Thank you. Appreciate that. On Marvel's upcoming Captain Marvel. It's pretty bad when Andy corrects you. Right. I, the shame I feel. Yeah. Shame. Ding. <laughs> While also penning the screenplay shame. for the studio's forthcoming Black Widow feature. I want to see Andy walking behind Todd going, shame. And then he like throws up the bell and he's like, oh, whoa, whoa. Gling, glang, gling, gling, gling. Ping, ping. No, he bouncing down the stairs. He would go to ring the bell and he would fl- it would fling out of his hand. It would hit Torgo in the back of the head yeah. and then it would go tumbling down the, the stairs. And then the would come out and just bonk right off of Andy's forehead and... Yeah, he's shaming I, me, I never but I'm the myself. one apologizing for him. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you were saying? Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen, who have played the synthoid and powerful telepath in the Avengers movies, are likely to continue what? playing the characters in the series. It's one of several projects being developed by the new Disney streaming platform, oh. along with series focused on Loki and the team of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Jeff, you got to get the Disney platform so I can come over and watch that. Okay. <laughs> don't that was don't, hard to don't you want Ma- Matt to get it? Because, you know, he's the one that mm. subscribed to it way longer than I did. Oh, my. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> shame, dong. Well, shame, dong. You know shame. what? You got a good point because he's got a job now. He could actually yeah. afford it. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah, you you can you can sign up for all the streaming services now. Oh, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars' newest endeavor will be will tie a comic miniseries with a trilogy of novels, telling similar stories from radically opposing viewpoints. The Star Wars Tie Fighter, a miniseries from Marvel Comics, will be told from the Empire's perspective, while Del Rey's books Star Wars Alphabet Squadron will tell the story from the Rebellion's point of view. Each story is set shortly after the events of Return of the Jedi, with TIE Fighter following the elite group of Imperial pilots known as Shadow Wing. The miniseries will be penned by Star Wars comic veteran Jody Hauser, with art from Roger Antonio. Meanwhile, Alphabet Squadron, out this June, centers on a group of rebel pilots who each fly a different class of vehicle, hence their moniker, and are busy chasing down that certain elite group of TIE pilots. The novel was written by Alexander Freed and will be the first book in a trilogy. Star Wars TIE Fighter is destined to hit comic stores this April, with the sister series Star Wars Alphabet Squadron hitting bookstores in June. Hmm. I just, I love, I love the concept of one story from different perspectives. Some friends this weekend were talking about uh, a series that tells Star Wars stories from different points of view. I've already started that book. What's it called? Star Wars... From a different point of view. That's uh, that's really what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> Is that really what well, it's called? Yeah. That's, that's, oh, shit. It's good to stick that's in your head funny. properly. I can see the pitch meeting now. It's like, so it's a it's Star Wars, but it's from different points of view. Interesting. Now, what are you going to call it? Uh, I'll get back to you. Next meeting. Yeah, yeah. They send it to marketing. Marketing's like, well. So uh, how, how far are you into it? 
I'm about a fifth of the way through it. And? So a bunch of stories. And each story has been really good. And it's kind of going in order of the original Star Wars. It's short stories of that original A New Hope story, but from the point of view of all the little ancillary characters you met along the way. Mm -hmm. The first story is about Captain Antilles, who is the blockade runner captain Yeah, that's uh, when Vader's... Who do you think you're talking to? We know who Captain Antilles is. Um, Not everybody. He's that ancillary. Wow. You know, Kirsten, you're you're saying... He's strangled. Yes, he does. And the next story is by is about the uh, stormtroopers that capture Princess Leia, mm. Stunner, and so on. And and then you get s- stories from the point of view of Jawas and Sand People. And so, oh, what a good story! So by the time you're done with this, this fairly long book, there's probably a good thirty stories in there. Nice uh, and great name: uh, Delilah Dawson, Chuck Wendig, really good names. Uh, Will Wheaton, I think, has a story in there. Mm-hmm. Will Wheaton, yeah, that's the guy. And but so when the whole book that? is done, you've basically told the whole story of Star Wars. I'm always waiting for that, but man. by all these secondary characters. <laughs> cool. I think the trash compactor monster has a story. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I was gonna say, you, you, you mentioned it. <laughs> like they sent it down to marketing. What probably happened was graphic artists, uh, graphic arts put up a placeholder yeah. and somebody goes sure. somebody you know goes oh that's that what we're calling it okay so either that it or went, it, went to press and the, the marketing was like um it, it totally slips through that happens it, yeah. every now and then like and the, the placeholder will get put th- pushed through <laughs> but yeah it does put sound like it was a placeholder here yeah but yes yeah, it's, it's been fun so far it's cool. been uh you have it in Kindle or something like that. Probably. I'm actually listening to the audiobook version wow. of it. So, because audiobook Star Wars stories, they add all the sound effects. Yeah, and they really so they, they make it a whole production. So if you're going to read a Star Wars book, go audio. It's really nice. That was one of the things I used to love with the Star Trek books on CD and cassette. They would add stuff. the effects as well? Yeah. Absolutely. Like orchestra so much music, fun. everything? Like. It, the, yeah, the whole thing starts off. It starts off with a long time ago, Galaxy Far Away, orchestration. Although in the the nineties, the Star Trek ones, it was it was the, all the orchestration was synthesizer. Oh wow! So it was yes. So it was like one one of the stories is told from the point of view of one of the other droids uh, on board. The uh, sand crawler, well, the Java sand crawler. The one, the one R two uses the force on. Uh, there's that one too. There's yeah. that the t- two different points of view on that one. Oh wow! Uh, but whenever the Jawas are talking off the side, there you hear Jawa voices. It's it's beautifully sound produced. Wow! Okay. Ooh, somebody writes big dark lighters final flight during the attack on the Death Star. Ooh, big dark lighters. Uh, that's nice. It's the stories are good quality. I think the last one I ended on was the guy that owns the uh, cantina bar, and the uh, the uh, day. That, oh, you, don't you mean don't you mean B Arthur? Uh, <laughs> B Arthur. <laughs> but you got a story from Greedo's point of view of that yeah. whole scene, and yeah, it's great. It's, it's interesting. Nettie Okorafor, who uh, is actually an award-winning science fiction and fantasy writer, is the one who does the. Trash compactor monster. Nice. And the comment here is brings dignity and depth 
to a most unlikely character. It's impressive what these people are doing with these stories. It really is. It's huge, dude. They're they're like uh, over 30 stories. Yeah, it's massive. There's a story of the cantina band and how they ended up in that cantina from Hutt's Palace. It's a lot of fun. Wow. I'm going to have to pick up that book. It's worth while. Oh, and I, I got mine from the library, so check it out, people. I, I missed it. On all What's participating it? authors have generously foregone any compensation for their stories. Oh, I forgot about that. Yes. Yeah. Proceeds are being donated to First Book, a leading nonprofit that provides new books, learning materials, other blah, 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 to educators and organizations serving children in need. Yeah. So mm. if your library doesn't have it, have them order it, and that way First Book gets fun. What's it called again? Star Wars. Um, it's yeah. It's from literally point of view. Star Wars from a certain point of view. <laughs> I know. I was from a certain point of view. Yes. Yep. Certain point of view. Okay. Yes. Not See, now that makes more sense than yeah. what you had said before. Well, well, not, Matt was nodding his head, so he apparently what knew. I said was correct from a certain point of view. I, I think. Oh, now yeah. I get it. I think. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to explain it, Tillys. Who the hell are you talking to? <laughs> I th- I th- <laughs> you know what? I take it back. My favorite story is Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, commuting with Gwaigon Jin before he runs into... Is that in there? Yeah. T- talking to him through the Force about what he has to do to, and if he should even meet Skywalker. It's it's a really good back and forth. That's very cool. Yeah, so yeah, that's if you're a Star Wars fan, don't miss it. He's a little I, shit. I don't know. Yeah, that's how it goes. It's a short story. I would want to okay. write the story about the snake that Luke finds in his intake just before he leaves Dagobah to go fight. <laughs> yeah. It's like, and he throws it, and the snake's like, fuck! <laughs> It's like, you that, know. That story is 100 pages long. They went deep with that snake. <laughs> the the Qui Gon thing is to like, tell him to put the safety on the lightsaber so it doesn't burn his face off. Yes. Yeah. Yes, he does. Because let's think, let's hand this guy who doesn't know what he's got. He has it looking right at his face at one point. He's looking right down the barrel of the Dude, lightsaber. If porgs aren't going to turn it off, the kid's fine. <laughs> the, 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 por- the porgs are safe. Luke is safe. All right. Maybe it's got some kind of sensor that goes, oh, hey, the idiot that's holding me is pointing me towards a vital part of his body. Maybe I shouldn't activate. There's your story. <laughs> Write a story about the lightsaber when Ooh. Luke first gets it. From the like, lightsaber's point of view. Yeah. Oh, I wonder fuck. this warrior. Oh, fuck. Yeah. All right, he presses the button and he wants, oh, okay, no, I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll wait. There's Gee, something yeah. familiar yet different about this yeah, person wielding me. Oh, geez, it's... Uh... What about your point of view? Write to us. Comments at UglyCowShow.com. And until next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Fact check Dandy. The heck was that? Maple Leaf Matt. And we'll talk to you next week in Geek. I think he was trying to get the sexy voice on and it just didn't go. Nah. I just got tired halfway through. Oh. <laughs> he had a thing and gave up. Oh. You should drive across the desert. It perks you right up. No, it drive doesn't. across what? the desert? How does that perk anybody up? Dude, I'm Perked sick up. of Which the desert. desert? The Namib desert? Namib? Namib. Namibian? Namib? No, Namibian? the Mojave. I stopped the Namibian. water. I stopped the hot tub on Namibia. the way. Namibia. It's going to take a lot to take Southwest me away Namibian. from you. Oh, just hit the stop button. There's God damn it. Just, God damn it. Could ever do. 
Yeah. I bless the rings. I was gonna say if you're gonna bless them, Africa, yeah. yeah. You gotta bless them. Yeah. Bless you. Gonna take some time to do the things we never had. Ooh. ooh. Okay. <laughs> 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 <laughs>